Thank you for firing up the Sunrise Church podcast. My name is Steve Garcia, and I am the lead pastor at Sunrise. We are a community of Jesus followers from all walks of life, all colors of skin, and all ages. And I hope this message you hear today inspires you to deepen your connection with Christ. And now, here's Pastor John Hill. Let's dive in. All right, good morning. All right, uh, thank you to those who are watching online. Thanks for those in the room. Appreciate you guys being here. As Pastor shared, we are wrapping up our series called Summer Playlist. We've been talking about songs all summer. We've been talking about songs that might be in your playlist and then songs that are in God's playlist. And some of them, you might have God's songs also in your playlist as well. Uh, but really, it's many of us. And we've talked about all kinds of topics like songs for people who are hurt and songs for people who are disillusioned and songs for people who are lonely or afraid, some, some who are proud. Today, I want to talk about a song uh, for everyone. I want to talk about uh, those kinds of songs that rally us all, that we all seem to like, that probably if I checked everybody's playlist, some of these songs might be in there, those kind of songs, right, that everybody's kind of aware of, songs you might hear at a wedding, songs you might uh, hear at a, a Super Bowl, like a halftime show, or you might catch uh, in a movie soundtrack. These are those kinds of songs. That's what I want to talk to you a little bit uh, today. To give us an idea of what kind of song I'm talking about, I want you to listen to this from back in the day from EWF. If you know, you know. Listen. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so a couple things probably you caught like I did. I have two images. One is didn't know sing a song was one word, not two. Uh, secondly, the image that comes into my mind is <clears throat> at every wedding I've ever been at, when that song comes on, the one guy who can dance the least is the first guy out on the floor <laughs> throwing moves that are injuring people next to him. Uh, but, you know, we, we have these kinds of songs in our culture, and it, even with this song, they're really usually upbeat. They're kind of inspirational, all of that. Uh, this one kind of says, listen, if things are bad, things are down, just sing a song. It'll get better. Uh, and there's some sense in which that is partially true, I would guess. But what if the song that you're singing in your life right now, the current song that's in your heart and mind, and I don't mean the song that's on your playlist, but I just mean the song that's going on in your soul. It may not always be the kind of uh, thing that another song can just solve. Some of you might be singing a song of, like we've talked about in the past few weeks of sadness or, or hurt or emptiness. You may be singing a song of disappointment. Uh, you may be singing a song of loss or regret. Uh, we talked last week about being guilty. Maybe you're singing that song. But, but, but the other thing is a lot of us are singing the same song that we've been singing for a long time in our lives. 
You know, there's a phrase that you hear somebody say something, oh, they're just singing the same old song. That's not really a positive thing as it might think. The, the reality is, is that many of us continue to sing the same old song. It might be the song of, of, of victimness or a song of, of, again, hurt or some past bitterness or something like that that we're carrying into our lives. And here's the thing is oftentimes that song that we're singing that's the same is even in our faith. For some of us, we're singing songs uh, that we've got about our faith from our parents or our grandparents. We sort of grew up that way, and so that's the song we sing. Some of us, it's a, a moment we may have had with God, but it was a long time ago. Some summer camp where you went up or a retreat, uh, some crusade you might have been at that you made a decision, and you're living on the fumes of that. Uh, and, and now you find yourself in a place where the song that you sing is a song of possibly religion. You just come every time. You check your box. I got church out the way. That's why some of us will come late on purpose. Some of us will come, will leave early on purpose. Some of us will put in the minimum because we just want to make sure that we're somehow appeasing God by checking that box. But that's not really what scripture teaches. And so as we've done in this series, I want to I want to move us to one of God's songs. We've been looking at the book of Psalms, which is really a book of songs, 150 of them actually, written by different people about different topics and subjects. And today I want to pay attention to Psalm 98. So if you have your, your Bibles, your devices with your Bibles, whatever else you can get there, we'll have everything up on the screen as well. But in Psalm 98, we're given an invitation that is where I want to go today as we talk about an, an idea that we sort of do it every week, but, or at least we think we do it, or what we call it, but I want to talk about what it really looks like, and that is the idea of worship. Because I think as we look at Psalm 98, beginning in verse 1, uh, the first part, it says, sing a new song to the Lord. So earth, wind, and fire got it half right because they said sing a song. But according to the psalmist, it's sing a new song, and the, and the, and the audience of that song is the Lord. So, so he's, it's an invitation from all of us to have an experience with God. And even more than that, to be able to have a new experience with God or ongoing experiences with God, a growing relationship that leads to more experiences with God. And this is where I want us to kind of do a gut check even, a soul check, if you will, today. I want us to think through what is your experience with God? When did that experience take place? What's the last experience you can think of that you've had with God? Now, I don't mean religious experience because we do that a lot. And many of you come often. You may have other things that you do that are religious experiences. But I'm talking about an experience with God. When's the last time you felt God spoke to you? When you felt the presence of God in your life? When you felt uh, God giving you a new purpose or a purpose or some type of an assignment or any of those? When have you experienced God? See, what happens to many of us is we come to church every week, and we want church to be the experience. That's why we come in, and we hope, man, I hope the band is on point. Uh, I hope the pastor is interesting or tells a few jokes. I hope that that one greeter that I see every time that bums me out isn't working today. I hope the line in the cafe isn't too long. And then we make comments like, after, how was church? And we say things like, well, man, I was really fed today. That's like an experience. Well, I don't know if I really felt God today. That's an experience. And what happens is many of us, 
we, we, we look at our church lives, our religious lives, as an opportunity every Sunday to come. And if we're going to take the time out and not have brunch with our family or go down to the beach or sit at home in my air-conditioned house, or if you don't have an air-conditioned house, maybe that's why you come to church. But whatever the point, whatever the reason might be, we, if we're going to put that effort in, man, they better, they better bring it. And that's the kind of thinking that tells me that what we do oftentimes is Monday through Saturday, we get depleted, 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 and then we say, God, fill me up on Sunday. The psalmist says, sing a new song to the Lord. What that means is that what we might be thinking about doing is flipping that paradigm. And instead of chasing an experience on Sundays, maybe we experience God Monday through Saturday. And then we come in Sunday and we celebrate our king because of all the wonderful things that he's doing. See, that's what the psalmist tells us. Sing a new song to the Lord. And then he goes on and he writes the next part of the verse, which says, uh, for he has performed wonders. God has performed wonders. His right hand, his holy arm have won him victory. Some of your translations may say salvation. The Lord has made his victory or salvation known. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen our God's victory. Here's the point that the psalmist is making. God is at work all around us. The question is, are we paying attention enough that it leads us to experiences that, want, that cause us to want to write new songs? about what God is doing. Now, the psalmist is referring to acts in the past, and he says everybody knows, everybody sees, because it's on behalf of his people, and even the world knows about God's acts for his people. Now, in the psalmist's day, his people would have been Israel, the house of Israel, as he calls it. In our day today, I believe that's the church. It's the people of God. It's not the buildings. It's not the, or the uh, institution of the church. It's not any of those things. It's the people of God who are faithful followers of Jesus Christ, who are experiencing God on a daily basis. They are the ones where we can see God working in and through. Are you one of them? Is he working in and through you? Do you see him working around? Do you want to see him? Because my suspicion is many times we come and we give God his alms, we come and give him his half hour a week or an hour a week, and then we go off and we live our lives the way we want to, and then what happens is we wonder, where's God, what's he doing? We come back and we're kind of broken and we're sad, and some of us, life's actually pretty good outside of this, and I'm just really hedging my bet and making sure that if there is a God, that he's cool with me because I came and I checked the spiritual clock on Sunday. But all of us hit seasons in our lives we then wonder, where is God? Well, he's at work, and he's at work amongst his people. The question is, what is the song that you've been singing? And is, is that song, and I will tell you it probably hasn't, carried you through life? Let me ask it this way. If all you ever did was eat a meal on Sundays and you never ate the rest of the week, would that sustain you? Well, you might stay alive, but are you living? It would be like coming to the family meal every Sunday night. Some of you might have a family meal you go to, you know, you've seen or you've heard of these, that these things exist, right? If you're not in that kind of family, you've heard these things exist. And you go and you see three, four generations of people and it's kind of a reunion every single weekend. It's great. Grandma and mom making all the food and, you know, all the guys are chit-chatting and playing whatever game your culture plays, right? Some of you play dominoes and some of you play life. You know, whatever it is, you're, in your, you're playing your game and it's great and you leave pumped up. But there's still dysfunction in your family. 
And then you don't see them again. For the rest. And you wonder, why did my family not get healthy? It's similar with your relationship with God. If you are always giving God the minimum, then you'll have minimum experience with God. You'll have minimum songs that you can sing about what God is doing. That's what the psalmist is telling us. He goes on and he provides some understanding of what our response to God should be based on his work and his activity. He says in verse 4, let the whole earth shout to the Lord. The entire earth be jubilant, shout for joy, and sing. Sing to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre, a melodious song. Lyre is an instrument. Uh, it was like a stringed instrument. So you can think of like guitars, you know. You play the stringed instruments. Make sure it's a melodious song. These other people can sing along. <laughs> Make sure it's something that's kind of pleasant to listen to. Because some of us have heard some songs. We're like, I don't want that song. With trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn, shout triumphantly in the presence of the Lord our King. So there's a horn section when you're in there with God. There's strings. Another Psalm, Psalm 150 talks about cymbals, so there's a percussion section. You know, we could play the keys. We could do it. Listen, the whole point is that it should be with energy and joy and jubilance and excitement and, 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 and expectancy when you come in to meet and to worship God. But that's not just Sundays. That can be every day of our lives. And Sundays become all that much more special because more of us can come together and we can agree about the greatness of what God is doing. And the psalmist calls us to this. All I can think about when I see this is the silliness that goes on in our culture with large group gatherings. Have you ever been to a ball game, especially a big game, like a playoff game or the Super Bowl or something like that? There's always people who will be who they are not normally the rest of the time. They'll be that way at a football stadium. I know guys that will paint their, their, their stomachs with letters They'll take their shirts off in the game and sit next to each other. And depending on how sober they are, the, word may, or the letters make a word, right? When they, by the fourth quarter, it's like a jumble scramble word, but it's something. People paint their faces. They color their hair. They scream at the top of their lungs. Uh, they, they say things and do things they would never normally do. Why? For a sports team that has no interest in them, actually, other than they're paying the bill by buying the tickets and buying all the food and buying the subscription service to watch all the games. But they'll still use terms like our team, my team, we won. What did you win? Just craziness. You'll see people in parades and rallies for various activist causes and this group and that group and this pride and that pride. And, and, and they're walking through and, and they think that's what it's all about. And they'll say and do silly things, things they wouldn't normally do. And yet we come to church and we're quiet and we're proper and we're sort of hoping they don't bug us. I just want to get in and get out. It's, it's, it's a private thing. I can assure you that if God is your king, that when you gather publicly, it should not be a private thing. We should be able to shout to the top of our lungs for our God. Because I can tell you that the Pittsburgh Steelers never died for my sins. And the Atlanta Falcons, who've been my team for 25 years, have never resurrected. Yeah. Even that was weak, but we don't want pity claps, so that's okay. But no, I appreciate it. <laughs> Part of it you have to understand, and I'll acknowledge as a pastor, it's some of our culture. Some of it's American culture. Some of it might be the culture of the ethnicity you grew up in. Some of it might be theological culture, Baptist, all that, you know. 
We have Baptist churches. We have other churches that get excited about stuff. And it's like, well, what culture are we in? What do we do? Listen, there has to come a point in our lives where we own our faith in such a way that I don't care what the culture is. I don't care who's. Listen, I am going to worship my king. But we won't do it on Sunday if we don't do it Monday through Saturday. That's the key. The psalmist goes on after talking about how we should worship. He gives a little bit about uh, of, of who else should be involved. He says in verse 7, let the sea and all that fills it, the world and those who live in it, resound. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains shout together for joy before the Lord. And then he says why. For he is coming. See, that would have been a great place for an amen. Okay, got one, a couple online might have typed it in. The reason you probably didn't amen is because you saw the rest. He's coming to judge. See, and normally judgment feels negative to us. It feels ominous. It feels like, wow, we're all going to get in trouble. It's like when you're, you got in trouble as a kid and your mom or dad said, go, well, it was my mom, go to your room and wait till your father comes home. And you're sitting in there like, it's over. It's done. I'm writing my last will and testament because it's done. It feels ominous. But actually, the psalmist wants us to be excited. He's telling all the sea and the, and the world who live in it and the sea and everything that's in it and the rivers and the mountains and all of creation, all the people in creation, to be able to celebrate and raise up their voices to the Lord. Why? Because he is coming to judge the earth and he will judge the world righteously and the peoples fairly. See, unlike human judgment, God will judge in a way that everyone knows that what he judged was right. And he will make everything right. So all the regular, rough, mundane stuff of life that, that affects us, God is going to address. Our hurts, our pains, our regrets, the, being overlooked, being overshadowed, all of those things God is going to address. He's going to make it right. And some of us will learn that some of those things were all their fault. And some of us are going to learn it was all our fault. And most of us are going to know it was somewhere in between. And it was part of living in a broken world. But God is going to come and put, not actually put a broken world back together. He's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. Because God likes new things. That's why it says sing a new song to the Lord. That's why we're told when we come to Christ that you will be a new creation. Behold, all things will be new. Everything old will, will be gone and you will be new. That's why in Revelation, a new heaven and a new earth. That's why Jesus said when he came, I bring a new covenant. Because he's coming to make it right. So the question becomes, why does our worship suffer? And let me define worship for you before we go any further. I don't mean singing songs. Singing songs are an expression they're a manifestation of a worship that should already be occurring in our hearts and minds. Worship is actually a deep abiding connection with our creator that is growing in that relationship, in our intimacy with God, our trust of God. Our decision making becomes different and becomes about the things of God. That is what worship is. It's a lifestyle. It's not an act. It's not a, it's not a moment it's a lifestyle. And what the psalmist is saying is to call all people whose lifestyle is to worship God together 
to raise their voices up all in and sing at the top of their hearts, minds, lungs, decisions, and everything else about their life. Their song becomes something new because they continue to experience God on a regular basis. It's not a one-time thing. It's not a long time ago thing. It's not a ritual thing. God is interested in building layers on top of a foundation that he lays of faith in Christ to build layers into your life so that you begin to become a follower of Jesus. As you grow, you become the person that God intended you to be. You reach your God-given capacity, and that God-given capacity emanates worship to others because they know that it's not happening because of something you did. It's happening because of what God is doing in your life. So here's the, here's the summary point, the idea that I want to give you for today. This is the thing I want you to take home and think about as we think about the equation, if you will, of worship, and that is this. I think the psalmist is telling us that our experiences with God infuse our worship of God. Now, what does that word infuse mean? That word infuse means to pour into. It's when God comes and he begins to pour into us things that come into our lives that become part of our character, become part of who we are. And it's our experiences with God that bring that infusion. Because as we experience God, we, don't do, we go to greater depths in our relationship with God. This is no different with our human relationships. The more experiences you have with human beings, the greater the relationship becomes. Sometimes that relationship becomes decidedly worse because it's bad experiences, but in good experiences it becomes decidedly better, and you become what we call intimate. Intimate isn't just physical intimacy in terms of sexual activity. It's also an intimacy of minds and emotions and passions and goals and everything else. What God is saying is, I want that with my creation as well. That's why Jesus came, and that's what the Bible calls the life that is really life, and it's beyond what we see around us, and it happens because we develop experiences with God. How do we share in those experiences with God, because as we experience God, he pours into us things that allow us to worship him because of those experiences, and these new songs come through new experiences. New, 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 new experiences create new songs. New songs emerge from new experiences. So what is God pouring into us? Well, look at John chapter 4. Jesus talking to a woman at a well. She's a woman of, of what they call the town Samaria. Basically, there was ethnic sort of tension and, and, and stuff going on between the Jews and the Samaritans. Jesus is meeting with her at the well. They have this conversation. We often look at it about her lifestyle. She had like five husbands, all kinds of stuff going on. In the midst of this thing, when Jesus calls her about her lifestyle, she, she kind of gets into a religious debate with him, and it becomes about worship. And, and, she, and she basically presses Jesus about the right way to worship. And Jesus says this in chapter uh, 4, verse 23. Jesus says, an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Here's the point. God is looking for people who will worship with two factors. The right heart mindset led by the Holy Spirit. So that means people have a relationship with God because God gives us his Holy Spirit at the point of our relationship with him. And the Holy Spirit begins to shape our character so that our heart is in the right place to worship God with the right heart. That's what he's saying. The truth is making sure we worship him with the right content. So it doesn't matter if you have all kinds of heart, but you're worshiping with false content. Then you're not really worshiping truly. 
I've seen people in churches do this. All kinds of energy, da-da-da, everything's going great. Man, the spirit is moving. And you read the lyrics to the song and they're unbiblical. You're not worshiping in spirit and truth. I've seen other times when they have the truth, but they're corpses because they, they don't have a developing, growing heart and relationship with Jesus. So they're sometimes, I'm sorry, but sometimes in the church circles, ministry geeks, they call them the frozen chosen. You know, they think they're going to heaven, but they haven't told anybody about it yet. You know, they're just sitting there. What I'm trying to say is we can't manipulate this stuff, but, but just to give you some idea, it is, it is an eagerness that comes, spirit and truth. It's an eagerness that comes because I've had experiences with God in my everyday life, and now when I'm down uh, together with God's people and it's time to raise up my voice, I'm going to raise up my voice because my king has done amazing things in my life, and I have nothing that I can do but shout to him and to worship him. And that's what Sundays looks like. But this is the more important part, and I don't know if you'll clap for this, but Monday through Saturday, your life better be louder but without words. Does that make sense? What about your life tells your friends that you're a follower of Jesus? What is happening in your decisions, in your personality, in your language, in how you treat your spouse or your family or your coworkers or how you view your boss or your neighbor next door says that you have an experience with God on an ongoing basis? Because the psalmist says, sing a new song. New songs require new experiences. So how do we do that? How do we get there? Well, I think the magic word, if you will, and I said magic in a sermon, so that's weird, but the secret sauce is the idea of habits. Now, if you've been around church for a long time, we used to call them spiritual disciplines. You guys know what these are? Some of you know, some of you don't. It's okay. Habits, spiritual habits. Spiritual habits do not make you spiritual. But they put you in an environment where God can meet with you. You can begin to experience God. And in that environment, God begins to infuse you with his spirit. Grow your connection and your, your, your intimacy with him. And then you will become someone who is a worshiping person as a lifestyle. Your life is emanating a continual interaction with a living God in a deep abiding way that is growing you in your character, in your language, in your, the way you view life, how you make decisions, what types of decisions you make, what things are the longings of your heart. All of that happens when we begin to, and these habits, by the way, are not super grand or difficult. They're not that different from physical habits. I mean, think about it conceptually. Is it all that difficult to eat healthy? Not in terms of the concept, but for most of us, it's pretty difficult in terms of the application. And it's the same thing with spiritual habits. You've heard them a lot. I'm not going to wow anybody in the next minute or two. I'm not even going to take a long time on them because most of you have heard these before. Now, there's a few of you that may have just come in. You didn't know anything about this stuff. But most of you are going to be like, I've heard that, Pastor. That's not deep. Yes, you're right. It's not meant to be. If it was that deep, nobody could grasp it. And shouldn't habits be something that all of us can do? And then it's just a matter of disciplining ourselves to do it. But we discipline ourselves because of our deep desire to connect with our creator. And our deep desire 
to take care of all of the pains and the hurts and the stuff that goes on in our lives because we're not connected to our creator. And the only way to be able to help that is to start some of these habits. So here's number one. You need to increase the quality of your time with God and in his word. What do I mean by that? Many of you are part of a family. Lots of you are married. Maybe you're dating, you've been married, whatever. You know that there's a difference between time and quality time. Because <laughs> you can spend a lot of quantity time and not get any closer. But when you start spending quality time, it gets better. Quality time is defined as intentionality. It's in defined by engagement. It's defined by leaning in. It's defined by active listening. It's defined by being selfless and thinking about the other person. All of that creates quality time. We need quality time with God. Now, you've heard probably most of your church life, those who've been around church, you got to spend time with the Lord, quiet time, get in the Word, read the Bible, pray, do all You do need to do those things, but you need to do them with quality. Because lots of people have been doing stuff like that and nothing's changed. And you know why? Because quality when it comes to the Word and when it comes to prayer and all of those things is this idea of application. Am I applying what I'm hearing? Am I applying what I'm learning? Am I putting it into practice? Am I being intentional about it? Did you start to prepare for church last night? Probably not very many yeses. But if I told you your favorite celebrity or person was going to be here today, you'd have been here and you'd have been ready. And you'd have been anticipating. Do we come ready and anticipating when we know it's God that's going to be here? Do we get up every morning and say, this is a new morning. I have an opportunity to be with God. Let me make sure I get up. And you know what? Let me just get rid of the snooze button. Let me just make sure I reverse engineer all the way back to the night before and make sure I get to sleep on time and get some good rest. And let me get up and spend some time with God. Is that a desire? It's a habit we have to build. Here's the second thing. You need to deepen your community with others. What do I mean by that? you got to get more connected with other people. You cannot do life alone, let alone the Christian life. You cannot be a lone ranger when it comes to following Jesus Christ. You need people in your life. I know that's hard on some of us, but we got to get connected. We have ways here to get connected through small groups. You can join a ministry. You just heard about the Peace Center. Maybe you can go down and serve at a Peace Center. You can help with kids or students. You could jump in on our campus experience team. There's lots of ways for you to get involved and start getting around other people. In just a few weeks, we'll have our conference. You can come to that. Even shorter than that, you heard about a men's and a women's event. You can connect. You know that the conference is coming. You know that groups is now coming in mid-September. You could get involved in a group. You could get involved in a ministry. You could get involved in some type of a ministry event to get around other people. You know what everybody at those events' favorite words are to hear from anyone who's coming in who feels a little nervous and a little, all you have to do is come in and go, listen, I, you don't have to be like smooth about it. You just come in awkwardly. You know, walk right in the door. As soon as you come to the event, just walk right in the door. I'd like to be connected. Watch how many people rush to you with badges and lanyards because they've been waiting for you because that's why we do these things, to get people connected. 
Because in deep community with other believers, you can share life together, which means you share those experiences, you share those stories, you share those burdens, you share the care amongst each other, you sharpen each other back and forth. You may think you don't have a lot to offer, but you do, and you can sharpen someone else as they sharpen you. All of that sharedness, the Bible calls one another stuff, love one another, serve one another, carry one another's burdens. You can read through scripture, just do a search on Google for one another's in the Bible, and you're going to see all, that's all biblical community. And if you don't have it right now, then you have no clear pathway to grow. You have no clear pathway to serve. You have no clear pathway to be served or to be cared for if you're not in a group, if you're not around some other people. And here's number three. You need to seize every new opportunity. Now watch this. To be the church. Not to go to church. Not to do church to be the church. And friends, the church is most the church on Monday through Saturday, not Sunday. Sunday is family dinner. And everyone's welcome. So if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ right now, just know you're totally welcome here. We love that you're here. But our Sundays are Sunday dinner for us to come and celebrate our King. So we're going to lift up our, his, our voices. We're going to sing loud. We're going to tell everybody. We're going to shout it to the rooftops that we have a God who loves us, who sent his son to die for us, and who invites us into a relationship with him so that we can be connected, so that we can belong, so that we can be known and we can know God, so that we can make a difference and be, uh, live a life of significance. And all of that is what God offers. Tell me, where else in the world do you get that without God? It doesn't exist. So I'll say one more time, is that worth celebrating? Amen? For some of you, some of you have just been wanting to like, oh, we want to be a clapping church, but we're just not sure. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> we're still not sure. Just remember, if you had a football game, you wouldn't care how foolish you look. I'll be a fool for Jesus, right? Okay. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, until that point, I heard online louder than you guys. So I'm just saying. Uh, here's the thing for some of you. For some of you, you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior yet. You don't have a relationship with God. So your first step to connect with God is to commit your life to him. Some of you came in here. I see it on your faces, man. Some of you come with your families. And I can always tell the one in the family who wants to be there because they're out in front looking for chairs. And I see all the other ones who don't really want to be there. Man, on their phones and whatever. It's okay. God's okay with all of that. But maybe this is the day that you say, today's the day I want to put my trust in Jesus. Maybe you've been coming for a lot of weeks and you just haven't had the courage. This is the day. I love that earlier they told you someone's life is going to get changed today. It's a matter of in your heart. Listen, this is the thing. There's nothing super mystical or super special about it. It's a matter of you and your heart saying, I'm tired of the way I'm living. I want a different way to live. And I believe Jesus can give me that way. So I'm going to commit myself to him. That's it. We call, we call the ABCs. Admit that I'm a sinner and I have a need. Believe that Jesus paid for my sin on that cross and came back from the grave to show his authority over sin and death. And C is commit my life to Jesus Christ. And if you're ready to do that today, I want to invite everybody in the room to bow your head. But if you're ready to do that today, as you all bow your head, I want those of you who have never done that 
or maybe this is the first time, or you may have done something like that in the past and you just weren't sure, even online, I want you to pray this prayer. I want you to pray, dear Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth and dying on a cross for my sin. Thank you for resurrecting and showing your power and authority over that sin. I want forgiveness for living life my way. I want to experience you. I want to sing a new song. Jesus, I commit my life to you today. Would you forgive my sin? Would you give me a new purpose? Would you show me how I can follow you well? If you prayed that prayer today and you're in the room, just with your heads bowed, I just want to ask you, and if you're online, you could throw a hand up in the chat. If you're in the room, would you throw your hand up? I'm not going to call on you. I'm not going to embarrass you. But if you prayed that prayer for the first time today, would you put your hand up so that I could see it, please? Okay, thank you. Thank you in the back. I see you guys. Thank you. Here in the front. Thank you. I see you guys. Thank you. All right. Some of you may not have the courage to put your hand up right now. That's okay. Some of you are still struggling. You have questions. That's okay. But I want to, as you lift your eyes up, I want to let you know if, if you're in the room, I want you to take your program that you were given and there's a tear off at the bottom. I want you to tear that off. And you can put your info on there and just put on, there's a box on there on the front that says, I, I said yes to Jesus. I want you to check that with your info. And, and, and you can put in the offering that we're going to take in just a moment. Or you could take it out to our next steps table afterwards. Some of you, if you don't want to fill it out, and I get it, we, we have a phone number on the screen. You could text the word next to 909-281-7797. If you're online, there's a digital form that's coming. You can click on that. Or you could even just put in the chat, I said yes to Jesus. And I want you to know that today will be the first day that you get an opportunity from this moment on to worship your king. I want you to know that this will be the first time that you get a chance to worship God in a connected way to say, I belong to God. He is my king too. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. I want to encourage you to not just stop here. Maybe you sense God is speaking to you today and wanting you to take that next step. So here's two ways you can do just that. The first is text the word next to the number 909-281-7797. That's 909-281-7797. You'll receive a message back with some ways to help you grow. That may mean joining a small group or finding a place to serve or just talking with someone one-to-one about your faith. You can also visit the notes for this podcast and follow the links provided. And if you're within driving distance of one of our four physical locations in Banning, Ontario, Rialto, or Victorville, we'd love for you to stop by sometime and give us a chance to meet you personally. Again, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope to see you soon. God bless.